0: We have of lifestyle. me if i don't stay around to watch i just can't cope with the freaky stuff
1: hey everybody i usually record separate tracks so i can make these little songs i do sound better but i totally forgot so here's how bad it sounds when i'm just singing over a track bye
0: So much corn, <laughs> and when I
1: look in my window, so many different children to be that it's strange. So strange,
0: You've these kids are not ones that you'll dead. mourn.
1: These kids are not ones that you'll mourn These kids are not ones that you'll mourn Mm -hmm. Must Must be the the children of the the witch witch. Must be the season of the witch, yeah Must be the season of the witch Now that is confusing for so many reasons That is Donovan's Season of the Witch done in the style of Children of the Corn, not to be confused with the two horror movies I can think of that have the name Season of the Witch. That is not what we are covering today.
0: (laughs) I don't don't know why anyone would think that.
1: (laughs) I don't know either, Jesse. I think it was pretty obvious by my lyrical changes in that song that we're talking about Children of the Corn today. Um, 2023 Children of the Corn, I believe the 11th entry in the franchise. We will be talking about that. We'll be talking about another movie as well, Jesse. And uh what's that?
0: <laughs> oh yeah.
1: My bed's
0: on fire. Don't touch me, I'm a real live wire. Hunt her,
1: kill, kill her. Oh, that's works too. Run 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 run. Run run run, run, run. run, 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 run away. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Alright. Can you tell yeah. that we're 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 vamping for time this week because we're recording early. And we don't have a bunch of news to talk about. Is, what gave it away? Um, <laughs> welcome to the New Flesh Podcast, a podcast about horror movies and all things tangentially related to horror, horror movies, and the horror lifestyle. This week we have two new releases, both of which are under the radar, I would say, for various reasons. As as the, there's the pre, you know the aforementioned Children of the Corn 2023, a remake of the stephen king movie kind well definitely a reimagining of what the story is children of the corn definitely a reboot a hard reboot uh not a sequel a movie that has sat on a shelf jesse i believe since late 2020 it was i think it was shot and cut and everything pre-covid and then like it snuck out at a festival in late 2020 somewhere and uh since then It has very clearly been tinkered with, (laughs) and now we have Children of the Corn in theaters now, somehow, limited release, I believe, and on demand, same day. You can pay money to rent this, or you can wait, I believe it's three weeks, Jesse? I don't know if you caught this. In three weeks, on March 21st, it will be on Shudder. So this movie will be on Shudder and widely available, Uh, and you might want to know that information after we talk about it and why... It may or may not be worth <laughs> throwing down some money for. And the second movie, if you didn't get it from my incredible David Byrne uh impression, is called Hunt Her, Kill Her. And it is a very low budget, I would even say no budget movie. <laughs> it's a movie that like it takes place all in one location, and the location is such a random location that you're like, did they get the location first? and then write the movie? <laughs> or did they write the movie and make it work for the location? Either way, I think it works, and we're, I'm excited to talk about it. I'm glad Jesse watched it. So I feel like you could argue we're scraping the bottom of some sort of horror barrel here, but I say no. I think you know we're trying to get all the new horror releases, and there's two new ones this week, and goddammit, we're going to cover them. I don't know how you see Hunter kill uh, kill her. I'm assuming you can rent it. It feels like it's going to be a very limited release if it's theatrical. But uh, hey, Jesse, I haven't let you speak yet.
0: Hi. Uh, yeah. Uh, I. I mean, I think it makes it kind of makes sense. I think Hunter Killer you have to cover because otherwise we're giving people nothing. <laughs> I mean, no offense to Children of the Corn, but I feel like uh, the Children of the Corn is the movie you can catch probably at least in New York. It's going to be playing at a bunch of Regal multiplexes. Um, But I feel like it's helpful to give people an alternative if perhaps after hearing about Children of the Corn, they are maybe not that interested in watching it right away.
1: So I'm really excited to talk about Children of the Corn and both of our lack of history with the franchise. (laughs) And um, but the fact that we all know people who have like deep connections to this franchise, it is like, you know, on paper, the longest running Stephen King franchise, because it's what the first one was 1984. And they're still going um, which is just absolutely crazy. Um, It's like, you know, 11 entries long, but there isn't, from my understanding, is like there isn't, there aren't good ones. Like, I don't <laughs> think this is a franchise that has, like, uh, you know, the, the later entries are good, but who knows? Um, From what I understand, from what I heard from the Losers Club podcast, I did some research. I texted Randall, which was my research. And he's like, everyone kind of hates the first one. The second one has some fun stuff and a very memeable old woman wheelchair death scene, which I have heard about. And then there's, you know, they say it peaks around three or four. And then there are, (laughs) what, six more now, I guess? Six more, not including uh, the one we just watched. So it's an interesting franchise. Uh, Even Stephen King fans, I feel like, acknowledge that like, yeah, these movies are not. Exactly what the the short the very very short story that they're based on was all about, and we'll talk about that because I did read it in between watching the remake and the original. Which, gasp! Jesse and I can reveal I don't think either of us had seen the
0: original. That's true. That's right. That's it. it this inspired me to invest to to really bone up on my film knowledge and go back and watch an ill regarded nineteen eighty four Stephen King movie, much as Firestarter last year did the same thing. And I think that's a connection worth talking about when we talk about it. It's just interesting
1: because Children of the Corn is one of those things that's like a like through just pop culture osmosis and living in in your life, like people you know what Children of the Corn is or you like like it's like shorthand to describe like a scary child like scary kid or something or a group of scary kids. Like I feel like it's it's like a playground insult or something that we all just grew up knowing in the 90s, maybe without even knowing where it came from. And it's so interesting when a movie... Like, yeah, I know all about Children of the Corn despite having never seen it until this week. And I have always find that fascinating. So does the remake, or whatever you want to call it, justify its existence? Um, I want to be... I might be on the weirdly almost trying to clearly i'm not positive on it but like i want to be and (laughs) i appreciate the things it it's trying for even though it completely botches it in the process of making the movie there's definitely
0: there's some interesting ideas kicking around in this movie yes
1: there are very interesting ideas like very specific modern updates to the text that definitely take it to another level of like social commentary that's about things that the original I don't think was even getting at. Uh, so we'll talk about that, and we'll also talk about hunt her, kill her. Uh, there's a few bits and pieces of news because we're recording early this week. Um, I will just start right now with that. Uh, Successions. Alan Ruck, who you know, you may know from other things like Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and what other Ruck joints come to mind? <laughs> oh, uh, being on the plane. Uh, with me when we flew to LA. Oh,
0: yeah, I remember that. He was so good in that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he, he had like a little a little ukulele or something, like a very small did, guitar case. that did, he, was oh, he, didn't, around. He, didn't,
0: he didn't play it for you guys? He
1: didn't take it out and play it, no. But he was sitting near us at the airport terminal the entire time, and then we ended up sitting very close to him on the plane. What a rush!
0: <laughs> it was much like the rush he had, had in the Yann DeBont movies, Speed and Twister, which I didn't really remember that he was in both. you
1: just threaded the goddamn needle to the next bit (laughs) in piece. Yann DeBont is going to come up. Hold that thought. Alan Ruck is attached to star opposite prolific character actor Sean Whalen in the horror comedy Crust, which Sean Whalen is directing in his feature debut. The project reteams the duo who previously starred together alongside Helen Hunt, Bill Paxton, and more in the classic Warner Brothers disaster picture, Twister. Are you ready to hear what Crust is about, Jesse?
0: Uh, I guess, but boy, that's, they're you not good enough on take, a great foot with that title. <laughs> uh, take a guess.
1: I, I, and I, I, not to put you on the spot, uh, what do you think Crust is about?
0: It's about a killer eye crust, obviously.
1: <laughs> a killer eye crust. Okay, love that. Very inspired. No, no, Jesse. Crust tells the story of a lonely laundromat owner, played by Sean Whalen who keeps the leftover socks from customers and uses them to clean himself. When he gets abused and weeps into the pile of socks, it turns into a creature who seeks revenge on his enemies.
0: This sounds bad. (laughs) Wow. I mean, I I have to give them props because that wouldn't have been, you know, if you had made me go 10 more guesses. I would yeah, have been. I should have.
1: <laughs> you know, we need we need all the time we can get. I should have said, Jesse, ten minutes on give me crust. <laughs> what do you think crust is? A horror movie about a guy who who hates crust on his sandwiches. Oh good. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. someone feeds him the crust and he what goes on a, a murderous a, rampage.
0: A creature that emerges from the earth's crust. Yeah.
1: Ooh, it's a sequel to the core.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I I don't think... I think we could have gone for an hour, and I don't know if I would have landed on <laughs> laundromat guy weeps into socks that become a crusty monster. That it old chestnut. Gross. Yeah, that, <laughs> I know, I can't, you can't... Look, you gotta hand it to them, don't you? you it would have, have been funny
1: if them. when I was saying it, you, like, jumped in and started reading it along with me. Like, he gets abused and weeps <laughs> into the pile of
0: socks. Yes, <laughs> of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, what else would it be about? Wow. Well, uh, I mean, you gotta hand it to them. I think, that, I think you just must. <laughs> For, I mean, for beating the game.
1: I feel like this is one of those things that, like, is Sean we- Do people know who Sean Whalen is? Do you know who Sean Whalen no, is? I,
0: no, I honestly, if you, I don't think I, I might recognize him if I saw him in a movie, but I definitely. He looks never... like
1: nerdier Chris Gethard. He was in Okay people Under the Stairs. He's in Never Been Kissed. He's in, um, I don't know. He's definitely a character actor that if you Googled, you'd be like, okay, that guy. But my point is, if Alan Ruck wasn't attached, I don't think we would be reading this bit in peace. Like, I feel like it would have been like a small scale. Some character actors making a movie about socks. I don't think it would have been on the radar. So, uh, shout out to Ruck. I wonder what he saw in the script that made him want to do this. Jesse mentioned debont, So I scrounged the internet to find a a debont related (laughs) bit in peace. And I found one, the haunting, the 1999 movie starring, Jesse, give me the four people that are pictured in this image at the top of the site. This is a really quiz-based episode. Because
0: okay, yeah. I mean, I don't know who the it should be. I mean, it's, it's the, the four th-
1: people on the on the, the the top billing on the. Okay, the, the so cover it's it's well.
0: it's Liam Neeson, Owen Wilson, Lily Taylor, and I want to say Catherine Zeta Jones.
1: Catherine Zeta Jones. She dips beneath the lasers. Oh. <laughs> Yes, it is indeed those four. What a pair! I, I'm surprised you got Lily Taylor. That is the one. She's I She's the lead. <laughs> She's the fucking lead, and uh, I think Bruce Stern. If they could have fit another person in, would have been yeah. maybe the next guy. <laughs> uh, there's a Shout Factory 4K edition of this coming out, Jesse. Wow. Uh, on May 30th, 2023, you can pre-order it now. You get an exclusive 18 by 24 rolled poster featuring the original theatrical artwork um what's your take on this movie
0: <laughs> uh boy, what my was take your this... take on this movie yeah what was <laughs> last all time those you watched years it ago in
1: 1999
0: in 1999 yes that would be the last time i watched it my take on this movie is that i was in new york city uh visiting for a weekend and my brother and i were going to go see the phantom menace for like the sixth time because it was playing at the Ziegfeld Theater. You
1: always Theater. find the fucking Phantom Menace angle, Opera. you?
0: <laughs> That's right. You, you and the Polygon commenters have noticed this. Um, <laughs> uh, we we uh, So we headed over to the Ziegfeld. This was before smartphones, so I feel like I just had the vague. Uh, I think I knew that he was, had a long engagement there. And we found not the Phantom Menace, because this was like two months into its run, but the Ziegfeld was closed for a premiere of Bowfinger, which really... Was taunting me because God damn, did I want to see Bowfinger? God, movie that I movie is
1: so funny. Yeah,
0: it's cool. so funny, and I love, I loved it then, and I love it now. I had to wait until it came out in my town, you know, like um, like <laughs> when it came out everywhere. And I re- wished so hard that like we could just slip into the Bowfinger premiere, but it, it was pretty tight. Tightly cordoned off, so we were on our own for the evening. And we were—I was like, "Well, you want to see the haunting? Like, that's because the other, most of the other theaters weren't playing *Phantom Menace* still because it was two months in. And part of the appeal of seeing *Phantom Menace* was seeing it at the Ziegfeld. It wasn't like we just wanted to see it at any cost. So I was like, "Well, the haunting's playing. How about that? I feel like I gave my brother a choice between that and something else." and he chose The Haunting, maybe maybe I just browbeat him into doing The Haunting with me, but I feel like we saw it at 68th Street. I think we headed over there, because that's not too far from the Ziegfeld. Yeah, it's not. Uh, it's, it's telling, perhaps, that the, the, that's, this is the most vivid memory I have of The Haunting, is The Phantom Menace. Um, but I do remember that Phantom Menace star Liam Neeson is in it, and that Owen Wilson gets beheaded in a pretty cool way, and that otherwise I was mostly left going, uh... Well, the production design was pretty cool. I also remember, again, outside of the movie itself, I remember Roger Ebert. It was one of those movies that Ebert went three stars for the production design. He was just like, the, the production design and special effects are very cool, three stars. And I love that energy. I, I like to try to carry, I, I call that for me, it's the colors and shapes uh, That's stars. how I
1: felt about
0: Cocaine Bear. I really liked the visual effects of the bears. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was so stunning. You know, I mean, I, I sometimes will give a pass to something if I'm like, I, I think uh, I think of semi recent ones include like the Ghost in the Shell remake with ScarJo mm. and the Tron and Tron Legacy were movies where I was like, good colors and shapes, thumbs up. I don't really care about what's happening in the movie or why, and I could not vouch for any of that, but I enjoyed the colors and the shapes. And I feel like that's what Ebert's feeling was about the haunting. The greatest color and shapes movie of all time is, of course, Suspiria, the original, <laughs> I, where it becomes so the colors and shapes in that movie are so great that it sort of becomes a great movie even without you know a lot of
1: anything elements. else. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I, I, don't love, I love I
0: love the movies. and I I don't mean that sounds condescending. I love the old Suspiria, but I was when I when I caught up with that, I was like, this is like the colors and shapes movie. Um, so the, but the haunting was not that for me. I just remember it being kind of like all right and not very scary. And I was not even as super into horror then as I, as I am now, or, or I feel like I had bigger horror periods before and after seeing the haunting. Cause I was like in an era where there weren't as many horror movies coming out of Hollywood. So I, I don't know, maybe I would appreciate it more now for being like a big, lavish, you know, big studio art direction horror movie. Have you seen the old one, the 63 one by Robert Wise? I've heard yes, that I is have. great. Is it, it is good? Great. I, wa- yes. I want to see it. I- I've been, some of- been on my list for years. In fact, it's kind of lame that I haven't seen it. Um, I'm going to add that to like my... Yeah, we actually stuff. have to kick Letterboxd. you off the show. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Uh, anyway, the haunting... That's I, So, I mean, it makes sense to put it on a 4K because it was like a very visually lush movie. But it also kind of ended Yon Dabon's... It didn't really end his career because he did what Tomb Raider movie after that. But he really uh, pieced out after that, after those movies didn't do that well, huh? Like he doesn't really... What was
1: the Chris Catan one called? House on Haunted Hill?
0: House on Haunted Hill. I kind of liked that one more, even though it was obviously much dumber and cheaper and cheaper. Easier. how did I, this and
1: that come out the same year like you were just saying like this was an arrow there wasn't yeah <laughs> there was, yeah it was an arrow without a lot of horror and then it's like well there were two movies about haunted houses <laughs> yeah called
0: the haunted house <laughs> movie the same yeah year. that's true yeah Besides that. more, i guess it was fun it was far enough after scream that there was a more horror than there had been but yeah i don't feel like there weren't like a million possessions you weren't
1: in the there, yeah there. you weren't in the peak where like you're getting you know a fear.com
0: yeah, yeah yeah we're like, was like everyone, really everyone. really sucked too yeah Everyone in, everyone do it. Uh, yeah, I I remember kind of liking House on Haunted Hill. It's like I like I remember liking most of those dark castle movies. I wish those would come back. When that you, already when
1: you, has a Blu-ray from Shout Factory that I have.
0: <laughs> I lo- oh, God bless Shout Factory! Like it's I, I feel bad because I'm never going to buy any of those, but but, but God bless them. <laughs> I absolutely for... did. And
1: I think it's only because they were going going out of print, and I'm like, this is an investment,
0: and I was like,
1: I'll take them. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I watched it. And I thought it was I don't think it held up very well actually, but I'm yeah, wondering I, what I just remember
0: about it. the most memorable image of that, the, the Owen Wilson getting beheaded of that movie is far worse. It's ghost Chris Catan like yes, appearing yes. to help them at the end. And even as someone who was enjoying the movie to that point, I was kinda like, Oh yikes, this is bad
1: <laughs> It becomes Monkey Bone all of a sudden. Yeah. It's very strange.
0: <laughs> it's, oh it's not as good as Monkey Bone.
1: <laughs> yeah. To be, to be fair to Monkey Bone. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. So that was the bit and piece about Yandabon's The Haunting <laughs> coming to 4K. Good time on that one. You really got a lot of a lot of juice out of that bit. Um. As of the day of recording, Jesse Infinity Pool Uncut, which is the version I believe we saw. Yes. At the screening that that played at was it Sundance in person? Yes. Um, yes. I guess that the unrated cut is not the version that you can have, could have rented on iTunes as of now and bought because now it's available on cinema.neonrated.com is how you can watch Infinity Pool uncut now. It's 10 bucks to rent it, which is a little steep. But um, if you're curious into what the difference is, um, I'm pretty sure it's just a close-up shot of a penis coming. So <laughs> If that's what you're into and you I want to spend 10 bucks.
0: I think you the kind of orgy. I think the orgy scene has some additional imagery. Let's say. Oh
1: yeah, that scene was crazy, and I did think that there's no way that would make it into it because
0: Marissa went to see it in the movie theater, and she listened to our episode, and she was like, "I don't think I saw what you guys described." That's uh, the beauty
1: of it, though. It's like, did anybody see <laughs> yeah. penises yeah, coming did, out did of weasel? vaginas, or am yeah. I range? Yeah. Out of the rain? Yeah. Um, yeah. Pay ten bucks. It's a toll to find out yeah. if you uh, <laughs> if you did in fact see penises coming out of vaginas. In the sex montage in Infinity Pool, now on Neon Cinema, which is a thing that like A twenty four and Neon, I feel like the only people that do this, Yeah. they like host screenings on their website that yeah. you pay for. Which you know, it's interesting and cool. If it makes it's again, it's like the same, the same thing, the same cool feeling you get when you're at a hotel and you can watch. Yeah, movie or,
0: like, it's funny and like this is maybe a little bit of a tangent, but we don't have that much news. So, I'll, uh, like A twenty four Neon are both very dedicated to. The theatrical release, but also obviously using these different channels to like and being kind of dynamic in terms of saying, okay, well, once something's kind of close to the end of its theatrical run, we will do our own screenings and we'll try, we'll make it available if it's not in your town, whatever. They both do such a great job. And I don't mean to sound, I know people like roll your eyes at being like a fanboy for these little studios, but I feel like A24 and Neon really do a great job. Like, try, you know, minus the occasional Under the Silver Lake, they really like push their movies and try to get them out there and make them available for people who want them in different Formats, um, and it's so funny because they're like the new version. Like it's their Sony Pictures Classics is so close to being that, with the weird exception of Sony Pictures Classics seems to go the other way in terms of they want the theatrical release so bad that they kind of don't want you to see their movies. <laughs> I say this right. because I yeah. want to see Living, the Bill Nye movie, where he's nominated for a Best Actor Oscar oh, it's and totally is nominated great. for Best yeah, Devon Screenplay. Great. I heard it's good, and like obviously I can see it. It is playing at a couple theaters in New York, but. It's not, for some reason, in New York City only, it's not at any AMCs. Other areas, it's not at an AMC, but I can't use it at a, my stubs to go see it in New York City. And I kept thinking, oh, well, they're going to eventually bring it out to an AMC, and they just haven't. It. And it's not really being Oscar pushed. Like, it's not really gradually expanding. It's just been like hanging out in two theaters, so that which kind of limits the number of show times uh, for like a month. But also, its theatrical run is over, but they're not just going to like put it on VOD so I could just watch it at home tonight to prepare for the Oscars. It's just like Sony has this weird block. Uh, And I appreciate that they're not just shoving stuff into VOD or not just throwing stuff on their streaming service because they don't have one anymore. They don't even have Crackle anymore. So it's cool. But like, yeah, uh, the, the Neon movie that made a lot more money than Living and came out wide like a month ago, you can now watch at home in some way. And Living, this Oscar movie, the Oscars are in like a week. And the only way to see it is to go to see it at the Angelica, <laughs> and like, and I probably will if I have time. But like, what the fuck? Why? Why can't I see Living of all goddamn things? Like somehow, besides Tony to Pictures be Classic,
1: put up the screening room online. Make exactly, pay nine
0: ninety nine to watch. Honestly, it I would pay ten bucks, fifteen bucks to watch it at home just for the convenience. Uh, and or or I would just go see it at an AMC because I'm out often at an AMC's and they're all over it. There's a real good range of showtimes and stuff like that. Uh, it's just it's baffling to me. It really just kind of feels like they want their movies to be in theaters but don't actually care if anyone goes to see them while they're in theaters. <laughs> it's so bizarre. Called out Sony Pictures Classics, the least horror lifestyle studio imaginable. <laughs> yeah, we do, out.
1: we don't have to get into what they're doing to our beautiful boy sixty five. Um, Yes, I don't think they'll scroll far enough into this episode to hear this. But uh, yeah, Uh, let's just say there's a movie coming out that I just titled. I just said the title (laughs) of already. (laughs) I'm not going to say it again. You're not going to catch me doing that again. (laughs) Uh, There's a movie that they are clearly not expecting to get good reviews because they're not only uh, didn't you lay out last week, like the three ways they treat movies. Right. And it's like, did you even lay out this option, which is such a fun one? Yeah, Which the, is the, <laughs> yeah, the same day of release, an hour or two before the screening, just enough time to screw over the writers who have to get it in. On yes,
0: time. exactly. That's, yeah, that's, that, but you know, why I didn't mention it? Because only Sony does it. <laughs> It's, yeah, it's a, their special strategy. And and that's they not make true. you. I,
1: I, I, they make you come to their offices. Like they don't even put it in a in a screening room or a theater. They're just like, yeah, well, you can come to the conference room B and watch
0: it. <laughs> it's it's too bad because like this is super annoying film y stuff. The Sony screening room that they used to use, which was in Midtown, uh, was yeah. really nice. Actually, it was one of the biggest screens for us. One of those one of those small screen, one of those studio owned screening rooms, or one of those like you know dedicated screening rooms. It's not a commercial theater. It was really nice. It had really nice chairs and had a really big screen and you could like sit in the front row, but there was still a lot of space. So you could just really be, feel those like are my developed. favorite theaters.
1: Yeah. 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 Love the it. Ones that have the huge gap between front row and the screen. So yeah. That make thereby making the front row, the best place to sit. Yes. Uh, and nobody, the nobody will... is the same.
0: Oh, nice! I should. Yeah. I gotta go there. It's it's nice because it, people still have the aversion to the front row, so they won't. Yes, they that's won't the thing about the Roxy. <laughs> the
1: Roxy doesn't even let you buy tickets in the front row, so I always just go sit there. But when I get there.
0: Oh yeah. wow! They don't even wow. That's crazy. I and think once, they, I think
1: like once you if you were to buy it from the person there, you could. But uh, online, they block it off for wow. Oh, mean. it's
0: like the, it's like the the buffer row, so they can yeah. open it up if they need to. For that's yeah. crazy because like they they should do that in regular theaters where the front row is two inches from the screen. Uh, right. Yeah, but well, now uh, those
1: cost less, I guess. Yeah, AMC? no, they, yeah, now now
0: with do new AMC price plan, those cost seventy five cents less. <laughs> <laughs> oh great, um, or whatever it is, uh, but yeah, the the new Sony Screening Room—it's a more—it's a cooler location because it's near a Shake Shack.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is that yeah? Okay, the the park, Massachusetts yeah, park yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Okay. yeah. But the theater's much smaller. I mean, it's fine, but it's like it's it's a much smaller theater. It's a smaller space. I've Thanks. I
1: saw Uma in there with yeah you yeah and the rest it, of yeah. the critics that were uh-huh. begrudged to be there.
0: <laughs> so it's it's a bummer. It's more of a bummer now seeing stuff at the Sony screening room. I would kind of rather just like when we saw the invitation, like we could have seen it there for quote unquote free, and then. We were like, well, we can just go see it and on the stubs and like Which see is it on the a big screen. Conundrum
1: you're about to have this week. <laughs> yes,
0: yes, I yeah. think yeah. Unless unless I, a, unless I get unless I get assigned to review it, I think I'm probably well. Just, oh, it, the only problem is that the big screens will probably be taken up by other bigger releases, so it's not going to be on the biggest screen. At, yeah, they really multiplex.
1: the the release strategy says like they are really. Don't they don't want people to go see it? Like it's a really it's one of those confounding fucking things. Where you're it like, is. It just this looks like good. Everyone yeah. wants to see it. Like it looks even cool if, if it. They're, they're selling it. Stinks it. exactly. Even if it stinks, the marketing is doing a good job of selling it, so people will show up. So like treat it like it's a real treat it like it's not horrible. I don't know. Yeah. Even if it's horrible, like what happened to Cocaine Bear? Look what happened yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> speaking of Cocaine Bear, I just wanted to mention something I wanted to mention last week and didn't. I tried to get a positive voice on the show to talk about the positive side of the movie because I knew it would be me and you just ragging on it. And to be clear, no one wanted to. (laughs) I asked several people. No one wanted to stick their neck out. Even the people who liked the movie wouldn't get on mic and defend it. Take that how you will. I just wanted to kick it while it's down. Kick it while it's not down and actually a hit. And I'm the one who looks like an idiot here. Anyway, We have to talk about 65 though, and like how we're gonna cover it. And maybe that's an off mic conversation, but I'll bring it on, Mike, on this episode where we're vamping. Um, We can't cover it in the same episode as Scream. That seems crazy to both Scream and to 65. So, do we do the 65 as a bonus episode until it comes out on VOD type of shit? or is that too mean should we main <laughs> should be main event it we should do two in one week type of shit
0: well I, I feel like you're right the scream is so much that that maybe it's not worth it it'd be unfair to 65 which is already getting the screw job i
1: think it's unfair to both yeah yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. uh and what's the the following week is is what uh is uh, Shazam which is not a horror movie so maybe we should shunt it although then it's like is anyone still going to care what we think about 65 10 days after it comes out <laughs> I, don't, I don't know so maybe yeah. it was Maybe it makes sense to bonus it and then um, uh, stick it on the main feed when it's when it when it comes out. You know, uh, inside again. comes
1: out that same day. As oh, Shabella. right, inside. Does that, yeah, does that count as good horror lifestyle enough? I'm seeing it today, so I can't. Yeah, no. it's yeah.
0: Uh, it's more horror lifestyle than I mean, it's it's more psychological thriller than horror lifestyle, but it's you know, it's got. I mean, I feel like it's in the spirit, and it, yeah, it's like genre
1: lifestyle. fans would be interested.
0: Yes, yes.
1: All right, it, so we'll yeah. talk about inside. We may talk about Shazam. Shazam feels like bonus material. Yes. But 65, we didn't really solve anything. Remains to be seen what will happen. (laughs) But Scream will get its own episode. Yes. And so will 65 in some capacity. Yes. Uh, Cool. That was housekeeping. New segment. (laughs) Um, So before I found some actual news, I told Jesse to create some fake news that we could read. um, And I did, too. So since I did that exercise, I may as well <laughs> yeah. ask Jesse. Um, to be clear, these are not real bits of news. The exercise was, we don't have any news, so let's make up some. Jesse, what's your first bit of fake news?
0: Happy Death Day 3 is back on. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> so exciting. Um, this actually ties into a smidgen of like bullshit, not real news, which is that uh, Christopher Landon, who made the first two movies has been talking about Happy Death. Victims. Yeah, he People talked about that him. they were
1: going to do it on Peacock, right?
0: Yeah, he was. Talking, they came close, but they actually needed more money because it was going to be a some kind of... He only let slip that it was some kind of apocalyptic event is involved, and it's a much oh bigger God. story, which... <laughs> Seems so foolhardy to try to make the third one after the second one didn't do as well. To be clear, I love the second one, but it did not do as well. So then you might do the third one for streaming and then say, okay, well, it needs to be bigger than the other two combined. Um... Uh, but yeah, my fantasy news is Happy Death Day 3, after a flurry of press after We Have a Ghost was Did Well for Netflix, is back on. Uh, normally, I kind of like sigh when something has to be bankrolled by Netflix because it just means it's not going to get a theatrical release and it might well get buried in, under an avalanche of Netflix content. In this case, however, I would be delighted if Netflix just said, hey, take take some money, make your half day, Happy Death Day 3. In my news fugue, that is what's happening now. Uh Unfortunately, it is not, but we can console ourselves with another bit of fake news, which is Karen kusama's Dracula is back on. oh my God, Jesse
1: <laughs> where are yes. you getting all these scoops, these scoops. This is
0: incredible uh, I hacked the insnyder's email that's how <laughs> I just called I just called up someone from the studio it was like, "Ah, I'm the insnyder. uh what scoops do you have for me?" And they just lay on the scoops Karen kusama's oh my God. back on so away. Do you have
1: the scoop on white till. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man. Wait, yeah. that I don't know if tough. you
1: saw his meltdown. <laughs> it was but... a
0: fucking horror movie, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Real inside
1: uh, baseball Twitter shit. I just we're, we're laughing about it. Just I'm Google sorry, White, everybody. just
0: just Twitter search yeah. White Till and I think you'll get the gist of it. It's horrible <laughs> and funny. Um yeah, Kara Kusama, uh, she didn't have something else set up after her Dracula fell apart universal, but don't worry, because it's back on. The Dark Universe lives. And speaking of the Dark Universe... Oh my god, Jesse, know, <laughs> <laughs> Sofia Botella M- mummy spinoff is back on. <laughs> <laughs> it was never on, but now it's, it's back on. <laughs> it's back on. It was inevitable until it wasn't, and now it's inevitable again. <laughs> um, I was thinking about this because I took my kid to see the barely existing Spanish but actually made an English animated feature mummies now playing at some AMCs in some uh counties <laughs> depending on their mummy laws uh, and watching it. I was going, Oh man, I missed the." Well, I was first, I was like explaining to my, to my kid about like, I was like, Oh, you might like the, the 1999, the mummy with Brandon Fraser and stuff. You know, I was like, you know, the whale, you know, you know him. <laughs> she was like, <laughs> she was like, of course he's going to win the Academy award. She's uh,
1: very invested in his narrative. She's like really kind of condescending about it. Yeah, yeah. It's really every, it's treating him She's like, like a make-a-wish kid or whatever. F-
0: good for him, she good said. Good for you. Uh, so I showed her the trailer for the, the 1999 Mummy, but the quality was very low resolution. And then I showed her, why not, the trailer for the 2017 Mummy with Tom Cruise. And she was like, oh, that the looks one, a lot- The one yeah. that has no sound? Remember that? No, I, I didn't. I, I do remember that. I just showed her the regular <laughs> one. She was like, that looks a lot better, by which she meant the resolution was much higher <laughs> on the trailer. Well, you I feel like that is, right. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. The resolution is better. Um, I And I kind of just had me fondly thinking about how I don't hate that movie, and I liked Sofia Botella's Mummy specifically a lot in that movie. Uh, maybe it has to do with the fact that I love Sofia Botella. No, that couldn't be it. Um, and yeah, I was I thinking, know. oh man, I would love if they made a Mummy movie that was just her wrecking shit um that's not what the cartoon mummy movie is about but uh yeah so that was my other piece of fantasy news the, the sofia botella mummy is back they don't have cruise they just have her it's gonna be just her kicking ass for two hours that's what that's that's my fantasy horror news what do you have for us
1: all right some incredible breaking fake news just came across my desk jesse uh disney plus weirdly is doing a saw spinoff <laughs> uh, with, called uh. It's with it's it's it stars Detective Hoffman, and it's <laughs> and it's called the Costas Mandalorian. Okay. Okay. <laughs>
0: Oh, man. I can't wait to hear the uh, episode log lines. (laughs) They weirdly describe him in each one. Yeah, the first episode,
1: it says he looks like a soap opera villain. And then in the second episode, it says he looks like past his prime Dolph Lundgren. So that's really interesting. I can't wait to see more episodes from the Costas Mandalorian. Fantastic. Um, I can't wait. I have a lot of uh, headlines here. Actually, I did a. I had. A, I, I. got my writers' room back together. <laughs> we, we banged <laughs> these out uh, this morning. Um, hot off, not even off the heels of Scream Six. Before Scream Six, uh, Paramount's getting ahead of themselves. Is that Paramount? Yeah, Paramount's yes, getting yes. ahead of themselves. They've announced Scream Nine. They're going to skip <laughs> seven and eight. Uh-huh. They're going right to Scream Nine, which I think is pretty cool. Um, Blumhouse, Blumhouse just announced a new horror movie. Um, they haven't provided any details, but they did put out a statement that says, who cares what it is? You'll see it anyway, because uh-huh. our name is on it. Um, and I thought that was a bold new strategy for them. Yes. Uh, Shudder's debuting a new service called Quiver that has uh-huh. movies that are only kind of scary uh,
0: <laughs> if you can't handle regular Shudder. Depending on how that Blumhouse movie turns out, it may go straight to Quiver. It might go it's straight to, to Quiver.
1: That's true. Um, and due to the success of Cocaine Bear, of course, we're getting a slew of spinoffs. The first one that's been greenlit is Oxycotton Owl. <laughs> I don't know what that's going to be like, but uh, if it's anywhere good. near as mean-spirited as Cocaine Bear, I'm out. <laughs> uh, it's an epidemic, you guys. It's not okay. funny.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, all right. What else do I got? Oh, this, is, this one's for Jesse specifically. Um, Disney announces a new Star Wars movie, but it's just The Phantom Menace again.
0: Oh, Great. That's. That's a good I mean, one. yeah.
1: <laughs> and here's my true like: if I really had to like pick one of these to make reality, it would be the Oscars are introducing a new category for best horror film and best
0: kill. Oh, like the uh, Fangoria Awards? What are yeah, the they're, gonna, Awards, they're, they're merging right? with the Chainsaw yeah. Awards. Yeah. <laughs> they finally they they acknowledge that the Chainsaw Awards have been a huge competition for them and audience drain the past two years, and they're gonna absorb. them.
1: This uh, last bit of fake news actually ties right into our main event: Children of the Corn. Um, so it actually, this movie, the way it was made, uh, according to this fake news story, was that a, a person, there was a contest to see who could get through all 11 or all 10 children of the corn movies. And if you did, you were able to make the 11th one. And <laughs> that's what happened here. That's there was Kurt, only one person who was able to do it. Congratulations, Kurt Wimmer. <laughs> yeah, Kurt Wimmer was able to do it. Congratulations. And now we have children of the corn. 2020 is technically, I think, what it's like listed as everywhere, which yeah. is so funny. But I mean, no, it is a 2023 release. It is now released. Uh, it came out on Friday in, I would imagine very limited release. I don't have a theater count uh, as of this date. Um, you can rent it at home as well. And again, I want to remind you, it is on Shutter in three weeks. Jesse, where do you want to start?
0: Oh, boy. Uh, well, let's. Start with 1984's *The Children of the Corn* briefly, which I had never seen and you had never seen. Correct. And uh, it's it was eerie how how much this situation paralleled the other Stephen King adaptation of nineteen eighty four *Firestarter*. Boy, and I was looking it up. This was in the early days of Stephen King adaptations. These were only like the you know there were only like half a dozen of them at this point. And in nineteen eighty three, you had. Uh, Cujo, which I haven't seen, but is pretty well regarded. I've been, been yeah, on this for a while. Yeah, it's solid. You know,
1: didn't Jan Debant I think he was a cinematographer on that.
0: Oh, nice, nice. This is a yeah. Jan de themed episode. You also had The Dead Zone, a, uh, quite good thriller with Christopher Walken. Very good movie. Yeah. And, uh, cro- you a had... Crone bone. A
1: Cronebone. A Cronebone joint. David crone Yes,
0: bone. yeah. It's like one of the more kind of, you could show your parents... This Cronenberg movie, and they won't stop inviting you to Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, but if very... you want
1: that to happen, you should throw on like Dead Ringers or something. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, not invite you. He's anymore.
0: got the whole. He's got a real range of options depending on how you feel about your family. And then the other 1983 um, Stephen King adaptation I just actually caught up with uh, a couple months ago. Christine John Carpenter. Uh, yes. Good, good, good picture. Inspired. Uh... Halloween, Halloween ends. ends. Yeah,
1: it's <laughs> so funny. Our main association with that movie is now. Oh yeah, it's total. Uh, Halloween ends is basically Christine.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, it. yeah, it's just, it's it inspi- it's mostly noted for s- inspiring Corey Cunningham um so the directors you had there are my brain
1: is so bad jesse every time you say a title of something we covered i just think of the song i did and <laughs> <in my> <laughs> oh so I, I think that's cunningham, cunningham, yeah the cunningham
0: <laughs> Corey cunningham theme my wife and i sing to ourselves all the time um, oh, wow don't say so i never it, had an impact yeah. on the world <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Anybody? really really
1: ruining lives across at least my greater area of brooklyn <laughs>
0: Yeah. <laughs> so that year you had John Carpenter, David Cronenberg, and even with Cujo, Louis Teague, not a Cronenberger Carpenter, but he made Cat's Eye, another Stephen King thing. That's pretty cool. And Alligator. People like that one. So that's, that's a pretty good. cool bunch of uh, bunch of adaptations. Then come 1984 and the two Stephen King adaptations are Children of the Corn and Firestarter um
1: two ones that have famously not stood the test of time no yeah yeah.
0: i I think they both have their you know like any horror movie will pretty much gain some kind of occult appreciation especially something that has like a connection to major source material uh but neither of them I, i never had never really seen either of these my wife watched both of them as a child uh because her uh older sister had a crush on malachi from children of the corn so oh my wanted, fucking god <laughs> she was thirsty for malachi so should,
1: my, how did they do 11 movies and that isn't a subtitle for one yeah.
0: <laughs> the malachi thirst uh <laughs> she i my marissa texted her while i was watching children of the corn yesterday and I, I there was a part that made me laugh really hard and she told my told her sister and her sister was like tell him to take it seriously <laughs> 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 stuffing <laughs> stuffing a dick children of the corn um so, I caught up with these movies recently, and they really are not. It's not like Christine, where I was like, oh, how did I go so long without seeing Christine? This movie's cool. Uh, or, you know, when I caught up with The Dead Zone when I was like a teenager or whatever it was, I was like, oh, yeah, this is a cool, you know, older Stephen King movie. But Children of the Court and Firestarter are not. They really are perfect fodder for being revived in some way. They're not, because you don't have to remake the old movie. The old movie doesn't have that much worth saving. And they have source material, so you can go back to that without making it a straight you know slavish remake of a thing that not that many people actually like um so i it seems like a great situation like yeah of course you don't remake christine you don't make that's what we always those people always say about remake. It's almost a cliche now no you don't make remake dead zone you don't remake christine i mean i guess they made you a remake
1: the that movies that were missed opportunities
0: yeah yeah. yeah try it again and you know, I know people hate reboot culture, but I feel like that's the one, that's the offshoot, is like, well, sometimes you get another crack at something that you might have been really cool, because there's a lot of cool stuff in Children of the Corn. And then sometimes
1: like... you get a third crack, like Hellboy, the crooked yes. man.
0: Yeah, you just keep getting a crack at it. Sometimes mere, y- a handful of years after the last time. Children of the Corn, the original, I-, I did not think it was scary. I did think it was very funny when the adult like, kicks the shit out of Malachi and then like, turns in- and... <laughs> And like, just runs into a piece of farm equipment and hits his head. Uh, oh yeah, I, was, I was, was dying. Very funny. Funnier than you were, anything. You were no dying.
1: Game. He was dying. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> It's just like uh, it. I, I didn't find it scary, but I was like, oh, there's some striking things about this. It's not well directed. It's very ambling. As you, as you were, t- we were talking about yesterday. It like features the main characters who are the adults who st- stumble on this town of no ad- this no adult town where the f- creepy religious children run everything it features them driving aimlessly for a while and then being in the town, walking around aimlessly for a while. <laughs> uh, even after one of them is captured, the other one kind of just walks around aimlessly. For yeah. A
1: while. So that's definitely like a feature of the fact that this is a very short story made into a very not short movie. It's yes, like the fact yes. that it's a, it, I mean, a it's feature length minutes. movie. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's 90 <laughs> minutes, but it is a feature length movie. And the short story is like, I read it in half an hour. I don't know. Yeah. It was short. Yeah so so instead of adding content they had the characters run around a lot and add to the runtime much like we are running around a lot verbally today yeah
0: (laughs) yes uh so there's so much stuff you could do with this that to improve it so uh, watching children of the core in the original i was like great i'm primed for a remake i'm not attached to this at all it has a few moments the special effects are kind of janky and not in that like modern person looking at old special effects and turning up your nose like it just they're they're vague looking like i sometimes we're looking at the special effects going I don't know what this is supposed to... What am I looking at? Like, I don't know what, what this
1: What am is. I looking at here?
0: Yeah. <laughs> um. So, I went into the remake. Like, okay, there's room for improvement. And I think they do a lot of... They make a lot of basic decisions in this in this redo. I keep calling it a remake. It's really just like a new version of the uh, adaptation. That make a lot of sense. One is to jettison the couple. Which I think they were part of the story, right? The couple who... Oh,
1: they're like... The, yeah, the short story is a couple driving to her brother's house, but like they're very specifically like mad at each other and working on their marriage, which is Uh like completely lost in the, in the movie, which like has them be very happy and Linda Hamilton's dancing and shit. Like in the book, it's like these, this couple is about to get fucking divorced because of how bad this drive is going. Uh And then they happen. And then they run over a boy who had his throat slit, (laughs) Uh who's thrown into the street, which in the movie is hilarious.
0: Yeah. And that, that's that sounds good. I mean, that sounds like it has a lot more tension than this where, yeah. It's oh, yeah, like a, it's good. A couple of dim bulbs <laughs> driving aimlessly. Uh, but the the new one jettisons the couple entirely, which is, I think, a valid decision. You're going to say, like, let's make the character like let's focus on the characters who are in the, ch- you know, the children of the corn town. The movie's
1: not called Couple Drives the Car.
0: Yeah, exactly. Let's focus on the Children of the Corn. It kind of seems inspired by, in fact, the opening sequence of the Children of the Corn movie, the first 84 one, which is one of the most striking things about it. It's a sequence oh, where yeah. uh, the, this kid is narrating in a kind of hokey Stephen King style, but sh- they basically show how the adults in the, in the town were all murdered through this coordinated attack by uh, Isaac and Malachi, the kind of religious leaders. Um and these these two kids who were not in on it because they weren't they missed the meeting. <laughs> I love that that's why. they just like they weren't at that meeting. They missed they oh I wasn't that I didn't make that Zoom call, so I just wasn't here on the murdering thing. Uh but they, it, it, I'll they, be they at show, the next one though, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'll I'll like I'll I'll watch the video and like I'll catch up and I'll I'll be at the next one. The next murder, <laughs> I will be there. Yeah, did um, you guys
1: screen or, did you guys record it so I yeah, could like yeah. you know
0: get the hits? <laughs> Yeah. So they the sequence is like a bunch of kids turning on adults and murdering them in a diner. And then there's a really cool effect where like someone's on the phone and they get murdered and you hear on the other end of the phone that other adults across this this little town are getting murdered too. Very yeah. cool. Cool striking sequence. And this new one kind of feels like, for a while I was like, oh, first I was like, oh, cool. They're kind of more taking that as the jumping off point. And then after a half for an hour, 40 minutes, I was like, oh no, this is like, They're basically making the prequel. This is like, well, how did that happen? (laughs) You know, like they're like, they're just taking that scene and making it into a feature length film. And that's not exactly what the movie winds up doing. Um,
1: No, it has a lot on its mind. It is, you know, how Republicans or whoever in the news lately, it's just always like, Dr. Seuss is going woke or like whatever they're talking about. (laughs) This is the first time where you could accurately say, Children of the Corn went woke. It like goes all in on. Social commentary about the environment and what adults specifically are doing to it and how the kids are trying to, like, you know, change the world for the better. But the adults literally won't listen to them. And it's really it's really honestly, I was like, this is powerful stuff. But the way it comes across in the movie, it's so heavy handed and poorly done. And I think there's like literally a line where the, the kids talk about voting for an idea. And the uh, guy goes, "Children voting," and then everyone like in town starts laughing, like it's like yeah, a bad yeah. sitcom. <laughs> it is just like completely silly stuff. Uh, but again, I love the under underlying idea about like children are our future, but look how the adults are stifling that future and yes. type of shit. I yes. loved how political it was and how social commentary forward it was. And how the whole thing is like the corn is dying because of pesticides and the shit we're doing to the environment, and it just like I was like, wow, this really does lend itself nicely to a modern update. And yes, it just uh, like yeah. lost all that goodwill as it goes. Please,
0: yes, yeah, no, I-, I was just gonna say it does it does lend itself well to that, but I don't know that it really. I think it undermines itself uh, pretty handily by by some of the decisions they make in adaptation. Uh, in terms of like it's it's hard to describe because what you're saying is true. Uh, it, the, that like subtext and not actually a subtext is there. But the movie is so clumsy about how to express it. It's just yeah. like such a failure of things like like timeline and blocking and character motivation. Oh, like,
1: yeah. Well, like- <laughs> we haven't talked about the fact that this was reshot what appears to be quite heavily if like the one scene that gave me the that I was like oh this is a this movie's reshot and cut to shit there's a scene where a guy is on stage i think it's the girl's dad maybe uh, and she's like he's giving a speech like to the entire town it's like like a meeting or something and it's so clear that he's not in the same room as everybody who's at the meeting and it just keeps cutting to him giving a speech and it's so it's like it's like he's like doing zooming in from from home it's like he's yeah it's it the background doesn't fit it just is very much like they reshot this and i wonder why it had to be cut that way
0: um yeah it's very confu- that's just
1: one aspect of well, what, what doesn't
0: work. Yeah. well there's stuff about it that's just like i just found a lot of it genuinely confusing uh that characters are sort of introduced without being introduced oh
1: is the are, i think the main characters are brother and sister but you'd kind of think they were love interests if you weren't paying attention like
0: well, like, know they, you know, the, the main character has a love interest that, so that like clears that up, sort of. But like the brother and sister, I don't think this is a huge. They establish
1: their relationship as if it's such an important thing, and then you never see them together. Then is, they don't is.
0: exchange any. Di- then, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. At, 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 like basically, not that late in the movie, the brother decides to join the Children of the Corn, the murderous religious cult that's going to kill all the adults. Slash
1: new punk. Group,
0: yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't it have been cool if it had been "Children of the Corn" with a K. Yeah, just an, uh, like a new f- metal. I think. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. Freak on a Leash. Um, they should have just Ooh, been I, I, do, should- I, should- I mean <laughs> I we both sound like Beavis when we sing "Children the <laughs> Corn." Uh, uh, <laughs> Although that, I think, I you know, like "Children of the Corn" holio would also be good. Are you threatening me? Uh, but like, I need was- more tippy for it. <laughs> So, like, the main character, Bo, the <laughs> sister, the, the sister uh, like, is against kill, killing all the adults. She's, like, wants to, you know, bring the adults to heal and and, and have them stop them she from... She wants
1: to have, like, solutions. She's, like, yes. she's, like a solution-oriented teen who, like, yes. represents the do-gooder activists or whoever, but, like, who aren't just protesting. They, like, have solutions, right? Yeah, she's, she like, wants Why to don't implement... we, like? Yeah. fucking fix the soil <laughs> and they're yeah. like it's beyond fixing we
0: can't yeah work. yeah we'll never we'll just never grow corn again uh and oh, like it's also confusing because like her oh, love the government
1: interest... subsidies that pay for them not to grow corn there's like so much commentary
0: yeah yeah well like it's it's also confusing because like her love interest i guess it's implied at one point is might be growing weed and oh yeah if, and you yeah. go yeah that would make sense I Wonder not you guys do that would make sense you, should, you guys should do that but so she wants like you know kind of real practical solutions and the children of the corn want murder and her brother joins the children of the corn and like which includes the plan to murder their parents and there's no emotional <laughs> moment where she like even yells at him how could you you know or maybe there is some yeah. maybe there's something like well, vaguely even, along those lines but there's even, nothing there's no conflict he just stands silently for the rest of the movie and she just sort of ignores him politely which It fits with the movie's weird strategy of like these kids are going around doing these bad deeds, and like I guess at some point they sort of hold her at chainsaw point and make her go with them. But a lot of it just plays like she's just sort of following them around, going, "Hey, what are you guys doing?" (laughs) And they 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 never kill her, and she never stops them. It's just like a weird. It's just a stage, so weird.
1: The very first thing you see the evil kids doing is like making some kid walk a plank, presumably to his death. I it's, did it's, not it's understand. I, I didn't understand
0: either. Uh, Marissa was watching here with me and she said, it seems like the idea is that they're, he thinks they're playing. And the idea is that he's going to walk the plank and fall onto a bed of corn, which looks really painful. It, like, it does not it look like, it does not it look
1: look like it was, spiky sticks. Like I thought it, does, it was like, does does like desk. Yeah.
0: yeah. I, they sort of treat it like, Oh, he's going to, he went up there thinking he was going to do He's doing a pirate play and he's going to fall onto the, just jump onto this thing of corn. But when he gets up there, he's real, he's like disturbed by how serious they are. And then what actually happens is so off screen that you don't get anyone's reaction to it. And people seemed a little, and then people uh, outside observers seem a little bit uh, disturbed by this, but not especially like no one seems to understand what's going on. And that's true of the entire movie. No one seems to understand what's going on. There's a, tra- a bizarre, the, like the weirdest transition uh, where they have a lot of the parents locked up in a jail cell. And they gas them, which relates to a whole other thing that is so confusing. Uh, but uh, okay, so I'll, I'll start earlier. Their 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 version of the like of the diner sequence, rather than kids all turning on the on adults and killing them, is that early on there was a kid who was in the corn and comes out and kills all the adults in like a in a facility, like a, a you know a, a group home or something like that, and then to stop him. The adults in the town gas the interior of that thing to I guess to knock him out, and they somehow fuck well, up and not kill everybody not- inside. Yes. Is that right? Is I that right?
1: Yes, that's exactly what happened. And I, I was I was just gonna jump in to make fun of it for how stupid it is because like so the whole stupid. thing, the whole thing is just clearly to set up a reason for the parents to be thought of as bad. Like yes. the movie really wants to front load these parents have it coming.
0: Yeah. They do that constantly. They have – and it's it's so much less scary that way. It's really creepy to think about kids just turning on adults and killing them even though they're the people who ostensibly have cared for them. Yeah, it's what it's I
1: imagined a- would happen when they did that show Kid Nation. <laughs> <they>
0: like, <when laughs> we talked about – Marissa you- and I talked about Kid Nation repeatedly watching this movie. We were like, yeah. Children of the Corn, colon, Kid Nation. I thought the uh, same thing. Yeah, yeah, I made
1: those jokes to myself because I was watching
0: it by myself. <laughs> <laughs> the Kid Nation horror movie. Yeah. They and yeah they go they they bend over backwards to have the adults be like these idiot fuckups who deserve to die. And they don't even do it in a kind of normal like oh they're abusive or they or they're careless. They do something incredibly stupid that makes no sense. They put poison gas into a facility to try to stop a kid who's already killed all the adults from killing more kids and then they accidentally kill 15 kids. And every parent that you meet is thoughtless usually abusive and and i like i get like okay so you're you're doing something with a little more social commentary you're not just saying oh how terrible it is that these authority figures are being killed so you could do something interesting with that but it's not chilling at all when all the adults have it coming in some way and then it just becomes a weird okay okay so this is the kind of thing where you're supposed to sort of i guess root for like you're supposed to find the the main bad girl because this is a Girl boss, children of the corn. I, I sound like such a dick, like you're, you're, like you're saying, like, oh, woke, whatever. But it is, they changed the dynamic, so it's not a weird little creep uh, missionary it's a, style. It's not a really
1: sexy boy named Malachi.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the sexy I love head the idea truth. that it was like
1: the sex symbol. Like people, like young girls latched on to like, Getting a horny from Malachi, it's killing. He's me. like, it's yeah, so this
0: this like creepy voice and weird body language. Yeah, he looks like he is... looks
1: like a little man. I guess that's yeah. attractive,
0: though. I don't know. Well, the, 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 he's so such the, a man. Yeah, that Malachi. He, yeah, Malachi and and Isaac, the main kid in the in the original, like, are creepy. They're kind of annoying more than creepy, but like it's creepy how how weird and fervent they are. And here, Eden, who is the Isaac of this one, the leader is just like kind of a Megan style, sassy child actor, yeah. you know, like, so it doesn't really play as creepy. It's like, she's just kind of a like, as Marissa said, while we were watching it, she was like, she's just a sociopath, which yeah. is not that exciting to watch. It's not, st- I mean, we've seen a lot of sociopaths in movie. So seeing a little junior one, that's like just, oh, she talks exactly like an adult. It's just not that exciting. And the, uh, so they, she she's sort of the leader of this movement to to punish the adults for all their transgressions which again is a good idea it's a really like have a nightmare on elm street kind of thing also a 1984 film uh where what a year can, yeah what a <laughs> what a year for nightmare on elm street and not and, Stephen King and, and that famous book came out yes yes the same yeah the titular i do think the film did the film of 1984 come out in 1984 i think it did i mean they would
1: have it's like not putting out the omen on 6 6 yeah yeah
0: you gotta gotta, do it you gotta shoot your shot
1: into production i don't care uh
0: but yeah so they had this idiotic conceit of the gas so then eden fairly fairly early in the movie has rounded up most of the adults notably not in a in a crazy mass slaughter oh, scene she just, and
1: that i don't know if that the the way that panned out it just reminded me like am i watching the movie house arrest with Jamie Lee <laughs> Curtis and Kevin Pollak <laughs>
0: yeah she puts them in a jail cell and, and then has it, a really killer
1: party in the basement
0: or whatever the, wild, <laughs> no, kidding, yeah. the, <laughs> the wildest shit to me and I, I hope this isn't i don't think this is spoiling because this is still like halfway through the movie and also i really don't recommend watching this movie uh it's kind of curiosity you i'm might be i'm halfway like yeah you, but you liked it, more it. Than, it a little more i liked I it
1: okay but yeah. definitely yeah.
0: bad uh, I, yeah I but like she they're they're trapped in jail so I guess if you're going to watch this movie, this is a spoiler sort of, uh, she traps them in the jail, brings in the gas thing to gas them all. And you're like, oh shit, this isn't very ex- exciting or dynamic, but I see what she's going here. She's going to kill them all with the gas. Uh, she uses the gas to knock them out. And then we cut to everyone is in the cornfield and there's a hole that they already dug and the adults are in the hole and they bury them all alive, which again is cool and horrific but it's very confusing as to how they transported. it. I don't mean to be like Mr. Plotnific here. No, but it's, like no, it's no, a you're, inter- you're getting hard to be scared when
1: yeah. Yeah, you're getting at the fact that this movie was so cut to ribbons it doesn't make any sense when you yeah, like, so
0: put it together. Even weirder, they Uh oh. You're Sorry. Are you am I? Okay, so I dropped. It was laptop. just a loud note. Oh, that's yeah, what it yeah. sounded like. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm getting so worked up. They It sounded
1: like you were still recording while you were like biking off of a cliff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I stole uh, about 10 yeah. seconds.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I got to catch this train up. I'm going to I'm going to cameo- stay on. Uh The the uh so they're they somehow transported like dozens of adults into a pit, which they then bury them alive and also they have like a
1: wagon or something?
0: Like how did they (laughs) I'm so fascinated to see that process. And like what's especially weird is that the main character, Bo, is there with them and doesn't seem like she was made to go. She's just standing there going like, Hey, what's going on here? As if she just woke up there herself. Maybe she was also gassed. Unclear. They bury them alive, a process that this movie imagines would take mere minutes to kill everyone. By and look, no, they're going to be agonizingly dying slowly for yeah. probably an hour under when they're even when they're, as Norm Macdonald would say, smothered in earth. Uh, they, they won't just <laughs> smothered instantly in die. Earth. Yeah, <laughs> and then the weirdest shit is they go back to the fucking police station, and a handful of adults are still there alive. Yeah. So they tr- well like, was it implied
1: that those fuck? guys were alive because she said that one guys like you didn't you were you were advocating against um the the toxic chemicals for the corn yes. so you get you get a pass or whatever yes. for now
0: and um, then this dies a much more horrible death and but then, like they they yeah, also then, leave yeah. the the lead character's right. father alive who is, yeah. was very much advocated against the corn so it just makes no and then like they release a few of the adults into the corn to kind of sacrifice them to the corn Devil, which uh, the move, the first move, the original movie already kind of fucks up like the ambiguity of like, oh, which will be, is It's creepy. Like, does this thing, does this kind of false god exist or not? And I think they kind of screw up because i think it not existing is actually way creepier than <laughs> than it existing in this case Yeah. Uh, in terms like but that's fine that's just a personal preference in this movie it's not really ambiguous it's more confusing which is th- the case of almost everything that happens in this movie i was just so confused more often than i was uh enjoying the creepy ambiguity of like is this is this a false god or is it just kids who have snapped like it's just
1: yeah and so there's bizarre. In addition to, like, the the scolding over the environment and the future and stuff, there's also, like, the local pastor guy who just says, no, it's the general immorality of you townsfolk that is yes. bringing this disaster. So, like, yes. it's it just kind of, what would you say? It's like a have its cake and eat it too thing where it's like, if that doesn't work as an explanation, here's this one, which is also yes. implied. Like, I yeah, don't
0: know. The, the movie is, to me is great. It really feels like it's grasping at a lot of things. Marissa pointed out too, that like at one point when early on, before the carnage starts, even when Bo is making her case to the adults, she's like, she uses such dumb, like, like, Oh, this is going to be a hot button language. Like she's like, you know, she's basically talking about how you've sold out our future. And she's like, and we've been traumatized. And I was like, you've been traumatized by the crops not doing well. Like, I don't know, that seems like kind of a stretch. She doesn't say we've been traumatized by this incident where you guys accidentally murdered 15 children. She doesn't mention that at all. She's just on about the corn. And she's like, and we've been traumatized. And now you might accept government subsidies. Like, it just seems like, I was like, what are you talking about? These she's kids like, are very
1: people. politically involved. Yeah, she
0: has, a really, she has a really specific platform that they're not they're not adhering to. It's just like, it is such a mess. And there are good ideas in it. They're really the, yeah. the, like it really it has some promise. And I think it, it has some smarter ideas than the uh, original movie, which is more about like, how do we pad this out to feature length? Because we know that there's some good, creepy stuff in here. But in the end, I also probably enjoyed the original movie more, just because I feel like it's just a little cleaner. Like it just it has a few creepy scenes and some creepy characters, and it doesn't really work or hold together. And I would not also also not give it a thumbs up. But this one is such a mess that the bet has better ideas and a far worse execution. Which yeah, is yeah, it has an,
1: it has like two or three like memorably gory like kills. Yes, that yes. are like practical effect flourished, but also kind of crappy CG as well. Yeah, like. It definitely... Like, the original doesn't have anything like that. And, you know, I'll take that. I'll take that. I enjoyed the way... I mean, having that one guy hang was pretty intense in front of all the kids. And then there's that kid who gets... Or I think someone gets... Was a baseball bat to the face or something? Yeah, it's
0: I like, in that. Like it's like, oh, so a ten-year-old can hit a guy with a baseball bat uh, hard enough to crack yeah. his face open and instantly kill him immediately? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just like, again, like I don't mean to be nitpicky. It's just like it just is like a weird inconsistency. Uh, the, the way the guy yeah. dies with the the uh, the uh, the eye plucking. There's an eye plucking. Oh mix. yeah, That's pretty gnarly. That was that yeah. was cool. I was I had it was gnarly.
1: Time. Um, and we'll talk about another gnarly kill in the next movie that's a very yes. specific gross thing um, but like you're right about the ideas man I, like, that's what I keep wanting to talk about I'm like, I don't care about how bad the movie is I love the idea, the characterization of there's you know one kid who's like the optimistic one who has sees the future, wants to restore the oil or restore the soil and then there's like th- just the classic generational role there between that dynamic and the adults but then like there's also the dynamic between the, the teenager kid and like the actual kids Like the kids who would choose violence uh, versus the ones who were trying to do it through the proper channels. Like it really, all the pieces are there for this to be so fucking compelling. So it's extra disappointing that it's not compelling, but there's something to the original story and the original movie that I feel like is lost here. Like those movies, I feel like are the original short was about parental anxiety and like, you know, the idea of like, kids not developing enough to understand the consequences of their actions and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Um, but it's also to me, and maybe I'm just like a guy from a city, but like it to me, it's also about like how fucking scary it is when you're just driving through nothing but corn for a long time <laughs> and like imagining like what's going on in there or the people, the type of people that would live out there and what they're up to. Like I think it lends itself to scary stories and shit. And I just um, you know, the towns you're I feel like there's something explored in the book a little more that Linda Hamilton's character is like from a town like this and left and really doesn't want to be driving through it. And like, you know, they're listening to the preacher on the radio and the insidiousness of indoctrinating kids into the religion. And they're talking about all those things. So, like, I just think there's so much, you know, they focus on they they told they did their own thing in the new one. (laughs) Yeah. And I appreciate that because I think the ideas are actually smart and like a good idea for a modern update. But at the same time, you lose a lot of the themes that are interesting about the book. That yes, I think do make it into the old movie a little bit. Yeah, um,
0: uh, it, sorry. it's it's yeah it's it's such just a weird such a weird scatter and like it does it has a weird scatter approach and it does feel like it was tinkered with and I can't even really figure out what was yeah because like I mean,
1: why <laughs> what would end up with like the the gas being fake and them being in. Uh, a pit. A hole. Why would that yeah. be changed? Like, what happened there? It just, yeah, it's very confusing in how it goes about doing pretty much everything it does.
0: Yeah. And it, you know, I, presumably this is at least somewhat, I mean, I guess people don't take their names off stuff that often, but like, Wimmer has this, you know, has, like, the film by credit above this movie. Not just, like, his name is still on it, but, like, he takes a film by Kurt Wimmer at the beginning, I think. Right? A Kurt Wimmer film or something like that. So, like, I think it to some extent this must be what he was after. But it feels like something that was cobbled together or, like, footage was lost in a fire and they had to make do. Like, it really just – I just was so often going, I'm confused about what's happening and why – Uh, like, there are two characters who are the main character's friends, who I think are supposed to be other teenagers her age, and it took me, like, half the movie to figure out that that's who they were. I was like, are they 20-somethings? Are they her former babysitters? Are they sympathetic adults? Are they peers? Like, just the way that the, the scenes are staged, like, where the characters appear and why, and, like, how they speak to each other and what they say is deeply confusing, like, in a way that I have not experienced in a while. It really, honestly, like, you know, uh something like cocaine bear which is very bad like i was like well i understood why things were happening in that movie even though they were completely arbitrary and stupid yeah in this i was really genuinely like i don't know what's going on like I, it, this seems to change from scene to scene like who who the characters are and what their what their goals are and what what they want it's just you know just even just like the physical like why is this person in this place at this time it's just utterly confusing uh, so yeah. it's, a, it's a shame it's a waste because they do have I, some I think Wimmer has some cool idea- I think you're right Wimmer had some cool ideas about how to update this uh, it just doesn't it's just such it's lost in the morass I mean, of this
1: movie I appreciate the gall of the opening and what it does even if I think the way it goes about it is dumb like I think you know we're a the culture now desensitized to children being murdered yeah. in, in mass because of school shootings and stuff so this movie is definitely like evoking that type of imagery yeah, and again, I just think it's so clumsy the way they fucking do it, like, when, like, the adults are trying to kill one person, so they fucking gas a building full of orphans, like, what the yeah. fuck, how would that, <laughs> like, it's just so stupid, but, like, yeah. I understand the movie's like, talking about how our systems and institutions fail us, that's, like, you a know, very generous reading, but, like, no, that is, is kind and, of what it's doing, and you know, what
0: would make that yeah. more clear is hmm. that, uh, if it just was a school shooting, you know, like yeah. that, I'm sure that's hot. That's probably a little too like eeks. I don't want to go there, but yeah. a school that that is exactly what you're talking. Like what you're describing is what a school shooting is. It's a it's yeah. usually it's an adult, uh, almost always even or a teenager at, at the youngest, but usually often a, a, an actual grown adult killing children. Uh, like I guess sometimes it's a teenager, but like still, it's like you know an older you know killing yeah, yeah. younger kids. And the reason it happens is institutional failure. And it's so frustrating when these things happen, and terrifying when these things happen, and nothing comes of it besides maybe we got the shooter in custody. But yeah, like, nothing it happens, stop. and that's what nothing this movie is about, right? Like, right, the, right.
1: That plus the corn being the thing, and like they're 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 like literally voting on things, and they they can't even get that done. Yeah, it's just like this movie's about that failure and the dis- disillusionment yeah. that comes with it. But yeah. again. This is like the most generous possible reading of this movie because that's all in there under the most confused attempt to make a Children of the Corn movie that has gore to satisfy people. We haven't even talked about maybe it's a spoiler, but like a big a big swing this movie takes that it clearly cannot afford to take literally like it is a big CGI swing that it cannot afford to do because like the thing that it does, the thing that it depicts in CGI just looks so dumb. And what did you think about that? Or how should we not talk
0: about that <laughs> thing? Uh, no, I mean it does. It's like again, it's something where it's like, well, I appreciate that they did something. Did they what does they, it
1: look like specifically? Like it's reminded. Like is it the, is it the thing from a Monster Calls? Like yeah, it's it kinda does kind of look like a
0: thing for a mon- I didn't talk about that. But I think about that, but that's true. I was thinking, you know, it kind of looks kind of like Groot, but it yeah, looks Groot, more like I a thing for Monster Calls. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. And, and then, like,
1: yeah, I, yeah, Monster Calls. That's perfect. I could remember. Like, I like then.
0: monsters, and like, I, you know, I was like, that's fine. Like, it's not like the, the older movie had a better way of representing this demonic force. Um, like
1: storm or whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah, they like have this weird smeary storm where you're kind of. It looks like kind of unfinished. Um, but like having a creature, I feel like if you're gonna do the, cre- the corn creature, do it. You know, do a fucking corn creature movie, <laughs> and this is not a good creature movie. It's just that's like the thing.
1: It's just like another thing it throw, throws in the mix to try and yeah. be like, well, it doesn't. If it doesn't work on the allegory level, what about the literal monster corn that's killing people? And like, you know, was there? Am- I guess there was an ambiguity to the old one, but like, there's something to the like. I I think a more effective take on this is the monster. Does the monster need to be literal and real? No, I don't think so at all. So like, to make it actually literal and real. And a very ugly CGI creation that you can't afford to do in your cheap movie. It's just like, that's a swing you didn't need to take.
0: Yes, I agree. Uh, It's rare that I would say, this movie would have been a lot better with a school shooting in it. But (laughs) (laughs) that's that's the the position I'm taking on this one.
1: I think you're totally right. Um, The environmental disaster stuff that unfolded slowly and now has resulted in unthinkable devastation. The adults not caring what the kids who inherit the town have to say. Again, it's so clunky, but like I love the I love that it's exploring that stuff. Yeah, it's just it does too many missteps when there's a really compelling story under the you know beating under the heart a beating heart under this entire movie is a compelling story with actual themes that are about something. And I'm like, wow, you made a Children of the Corn that's of the moment. I can't believe it, and you can't believe it because they fuck it up with cg monsters they fuck it up with boring characters that are confusing it, it's yeah. it's uh it's a mess But that's okay yeah. um i still think you know what I, lewis pitesman i think commented on my letterbox of my review of the old one from 84 like i always think i'm gonna do a series rewatch and then i watch the first one and i'm like ugh, i can't imagine yeah. <laughs> watching more of this yeah um but knowing that two, three, four are like the high point, I'm about to sail through that shit. I'm I'm ready. I'm ready for <laughs> Children of the Corn two, three, four, which I think I don't think they started make, making those until the 90s. I think there was a big gap between Children of the Corn and Children of the Corn two. I think it was 92. So uh. like that's interesting to me. Uh, anyway, we're both clearly negative on it, but I, I I see the merit. Jesse sees the merit, but we agree the merit is not. Um, they didn't get there. There is no yeah. merit to their merit. Um, all right, now let's talk about Hunter Kill Her, which I-, I guess we could talk about I mean, yeah, there's plenty to talk about. Yeah. Um Hunter Kill Her, a movie at this scale. Honestly, I ignore so many emails of screeners of movies that are, are about this budget level, and I'm glad this one made it like I don't know how it's getting released, but it's getting a release. And I think it's really cool and like a perfect movie to recommend if someone's like looking for an indie. You know, if anyone's ever looking for like a no budget horror movie, this is a great recommendation yeah. because it's just a perfect contrast to something like Cocaine Bear, where we talked about this thing has like the gore of a horror movie, but it doesn't have the feel or the mood or the tension or the suspense or the like any sort of like edge of your seat shit that you can get from a good horror movie. And I think this Hunter Kill Her is all that stuff. It's like they don't have the means to do anything else but make it really tense and a fun watch with very limited resources. And I really enjoyed it for what it was, even though I agree with your quick take that it needed more traps.
0: (laughs) Yes. Uh, I think that it's, it's a weird movie because there's a lot about it on the kind of, on some like basic writing and acting levels that I think is not great, but it's well-crafted enough and scrappy enough that even without as much, as many traps to my liking, well, the traps they use are pretty cool. Um oh my god, but, the
1: one where she like clotheslines a dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Just the laughs> yeah amount of blood. I was like, that's yeah. that's realistic. I think that's yeah. how much blood would come out.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh that stuff, uh, I was it was enough where I was like, yeah, this is a pretty good, scrappy little like if you want to watch a movie like this, and that's a, I don't mean to sound condescending, I just mean like if you're looking for like a you know, enclosed location thriller looking for something like this is a weird reference point and probably makes you sound like Philistine but vacancy I like that but right Nimrod movie with uh Kate Beckinsale and Luke Wilson if you want to watch a movie like that where it's sort of like confined spaces and like like you, you when you were mentioning it to me you mentioned it sort of has a diehard kind of uh you know
1: did you the, did you feel that too yeah like yeah, diehard I mean, like, in a furniture making factory yeah, I guess yeah, is what yeah. it is
0: it's Die Hard in the location that would let us shoot there. <laughs> yes,
1: exactly. exactly. That could have been the title. That's so funny. Yeah,
0: yeah. And it's it, you know, but with it's more of a horror bent than an action. Yes, bent. it's, it's more, that,
1: but know, a slasher. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, and it's it's pretty satisfying. Like it's uh, it's compelling. It's it's a nice trim, like eighty eight minutes, and and it, it works pretty well. Um, I don't think we're gonna call some...
1: movies from now on, Jesse, that are eighty eight minutes. That's called a Pacino.
0: Yeah, <laughs> they Pacino'd it. Hua, uh, Yeah, like, they, it is, I, I, well, I did weirdly think of Cocaine Bear Durant, even though it has nothing in common thematically or uh, texturally or, or anything. But I was like, well, this, if, if you're talking about like, well, this has some problems that you could nitpick, but this is like a, you know, a good, you know, 90 minute fun time at the movies, then for this, for sure. Uh, more so than Cocaine Bear, which is people were sort of tagging. It's like, well, it's a fun time. People just want to have a good time. I think that's what I'm thinking. This is what I'm thinking of when I think of like, yeah, I just want like a 90 minute good time, you know, genre workout. Yeah,
1: I want it to make me like go, ooh, ah, yeah yeah. really tense up because God, this movie plays one gag over and over, which is like, she's so close to them and they don't see her. Uh, It's just, it's basically a game of hide and seek as a movie. And like, you're just watching, it's like, it's the most base cat and mouse thing you can imagine, where like it's not just she's being chased because it's in a small enclosed space. She's being chased and then has to hide with very little hiding space, and they're constantly like if they turn their head an inch, they'd see her, but they never do, and it works every time, right? Like it's just yeah. like ah ah, yeah. they're gonna get her. No,
0: yeah, it does. It it like it, you know it's like a lot of tight escapes. They I feel like they fudge it a few times. Where oh, for sure. Where like, where a guy's just like standing in front of her, essentially looking, like if he turned his neck one inch, he would see her. And some of that is like really fun. Uh, you can really play with point of view because there are times where somebody could be really clo- quite close to you and you could be hiding almost in plain sight. I feel like they fudge, the filmmaking fudges that a little bit sometimes in a way that's like a really good movie, like a really terrific movie would like be very exacting about how and why she's able to not be seen uh but there are a lot of sequences that make you go like ooh uh you know and and the lead actress uh i i have to i'm forgetting her name now uh,
1: it's like she, natalie patrie natalie terrazino
0: yes she's has, like, she's very likable and like believable i don't think the screenplay does her a lot of favors i think no one in this feels like they're quite being yeah you know, they're all
1: kind of archetypes rather than like people i guess yeah. sure.
0: and there's some like I would say somewhat broad done. performances by well, the bad guys, especially it's the kind of thing where I can't tell if it's the acting wasn't quite there or the writing was just feeding them stuff where it's like, well, how, how could you make that sound? Right? Like it's all just sounds a little clunky and that kind of, get really, over that, here, bitch. That's yeah. 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 Why won't you die? Uh, you know, like, that does also come down to directing, I think more, even more so than writing or acting. Like the director is sort of in charge of smoothing the stuff over. Uh, and there's a pair of directors in this one, Ryan Thiessen and Greg Swinson. Um, but she's a, you know, she's, I liked what I liked about uh, Natalie Teresina's performance in this is that she really feels believable. And some of that's down to the filmmaking too. She doesn't feel like, Oh, she's like turns into this unstoppable badass, but she is resourceful. Like, I, I feel like people sometimes, I mean, it is fun to watch movies where the characters are smart and make good decisions rather than making dumb decisions. But I think watching this movie, I thought, you know what? In some ways, we underrate making dumb decisions in these movies. So I thought of that during Barbarian, too, when people complained about the main girl making some dumb decisions. Yeah, realistic. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, like there are going to be like you put me in that situation and there would be a litany of idiotic decisions I would make. I would fuck up so bad if I was being hunted inside a warehouse Uh, I just can't even tell you how many times I would fuck up. So I think it's a nice balance where you see, yeah, she's smart and resourceful and sneaky, but like also is not going to do the exact perfect thing. And sometimes it's just going to get lucky or sometimes it's going to get unlucky. And sometimes it's going to fuck up like, oh, you should have really, you know, you should have picked up that weapon and kept it with you rather than dropping it or whatever. Like, I I think that that's, that's kind of a weird backhanded way of saying, I think the movie walks that line really well of being like, okay, I believe that she could get through this while also believing the decision. She, she doesn't make the perfect decision at every junction that makes the movie a little more suspenseful and a little more feels a little more grounded, even when the writing and performing sometimes feels a little, you know, student filmy kind of fakey, you know, just sounds a little canned and yeah, the bad guy, like even the kind of what the story is, I feel like is almost unnecessary. They like, kind of oh yeah hidden... Let's set
1: it up it's a mother yeah. who has a new job she's on the night shift There's the only first of all why is there a night shift at this fucking empty furniture factory i know they, <laughs> they give like a line to the idea there's a line of, like oh yeah there was a robbery next door so like be alert but like the robbing like wooden chair parts like well like the even fuck?
0: the yeah. idea I, I don't I don't maybe I don't know enough about that I actually worked as a janitor at, a, at a, my old at some old schools during summer jobs and I know there was like a second shift even I don't know if there was in the summer but they're really like they're surprising how often there were people someone at the schools cleaning up and like huh. it makes sense what he's doing the office you know, she has to like make, clean up the office every day. And like yeah. some of what she's doing makes sense. But then they're like, you got to sweep up this stuff. And I was like, in a factory, they want you to sweep up everything on the floor every day. That doesn't, yeah. see, that seems like a huge Uh, a huge undertaking that they would not want to pay for necessarily. But she's a a mother with a sick kid. And
1: how did she lose her job? I don't like, uh, I don't remember if we know. I don't remember if they said, well, "Well, she she has like, well, she has an injured hand, which I'm sure has something to do with it. And her, her kid is sick. It's like this tough situation where she's, you know, she's at this new job and she answers her phone right on the clock. And you're like, Ooh, you shouldn't have done that in front of your boss. And yeah, it's going to be a thing that comes into play maybe. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, And, yeah, and the, but they just, what they set up in terms of, like, who are these people and why are they after her, they just, like, set something up and then it, it turns out to be that. And it's, like, I would have preferred... Yeah, it's a little,
1: a little base.
0: Yeah, and like, the, maybe maybe either lose some of that setup or just lose who they are. I mean, I guess it gives them a reason, because otherwise you would be going, why are these people going Why after do they her? care
1: so much? Yeah. Yeah.
0: She has this sort of yeah.
1: golden orb that this movie isn't explaining yeah. <laughs> is important to the
0: film. <laughs> she's got a MacGuffin, yeah. she's yeah. She's got the key, the key to the AI satellite device, whatever. Uh, yeah. It's also kind of goofy that the five, whatever however many guys that are there in masks attacking her, stranger style, Speak like they have voice modulation uh, devices yeah. that you, yeah. you never actually see them having them. I was like, did they oh, buy I just them? Just sound
1: or? like the same generic bad guy. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. They clearly use modulation in post or like on the yeah. set or whatever. But like well, in in movie, they don't seem to have them on their. They even
1: found like the regular guys who don't even have masks on ADR to be like yeah, distracting. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. like one of those things where it's like it's so cheap that like they just didn't nail it to the point of like, we're like, this is seamless. Yeah. It's it's not. seamless. No, this is ADR being done on these voices.
0: Yeah. Um, Anyway, not that that shit matters, right? No, no. Ultimately, the movie still works pretty well. Like it's kind of, it's kind of, it's very heartening to see something where I would say, acting, acting, not great. Writing, not great. Some of the details kind of sketchy. And like, you know what? The movie pretty much, it's not, it's not like, Holy shit this this announces the ro- a, the arrival of a great new voice but you are like wow they did a lot with a little like they made a vi- like a, a perfectly entertaining movie i was not bored during it i was involved yeah. i liked the i liked the main character wanted her to kick ass it found it you know scary and, and tense. i was tensing up even watching it on my laptop and that's pretty amazing considering how many movies go out on 2000 screens and are just don't work at all. Like I'm, I'm yeah, very I mean
1: this movie has a terrific plunger kill. Yes. Maybe the <laughs> best plunger kill I've ever seen. I'm going to go uh, out on a limb and say that
0: there's, there's a great, like kind of horrible dark comic comic moment where someone's kind of like not quite dead yet. And she like, almost jiggles the, the implement of death as if to say, Oh, come on, like just, you know, (laughs) finish this off. It's like, it's mean, but also I was very satisfied and gross. Uh, that I, that moment made me laugh out loud. So yeah, it's got some nice little touches. It's just like, uh, every time you start to think, ah, maybe this is going to lose me. It like tightens back up and, you know, uh, closed lines a guy with some wire until he like bleeds all over the place. And yeah, it's I crazy. don't
1: know if it would have like if it didn't have the like horror movie element to it, if it would be as effective. But like, I love that combination of like yes. scrappy, atmospheric, um, single location thing with the really bloody horror element yeah. added. It's like, oh yeah, this is great. This is a lot of fun. Cool um,
0: opening shot, too, that, like, establishes a lot where they just are oh, yeah. pulling, like a this. reverse, they're, like, reverse track and kind of pulling back, the camera's pulling back through, uh, revealing the whole, I mean, you don't, not like you're memorizing the geography of this factory, but you're, like, seeing. You get every
1: nook and cranny. Yeah, yeah you're giving you the know.
0: layout of it, it's very atmospheric, it also kind of gives you the practical, like, okay, here's what you're dealing with, here's where this movie's going to be set. Very elegant little piece of uh, visual exposition there, very nicely done.
1: Yeah, I mean, this movie really makes the most of what I would say is a very uninspiring location. Yes, yes. And a very familiar setup. And it just coasts by on solid fucking filmmaking. And, you know, I had to... Once I watched it, and it was deemed good enough, I made Jesse watch it. I was like, you gotta watch this movie. (laughs) Because, like, this is the type of movie that, like, having a horror podcast is nice for. Because you can... recommend something that i feel like this is like a no brainer to me. Like if you listen to this podcast, of course you should check out Hunter Kill Her. Like some people may find it too cheap or whatever, but like i just think like this is everything i want out of exactly what you're saying, like a disposable like 90 minute turn your brain off, nah, like all the things people say about cocaine bear, i think like this is you're right. This is exactly the type of movie that isn't afraid to be what it is and like man, i just can't believe like a movie this you know it, it, a movie, it doesn't matter how cheap a movie is or how one location and that, that location is a fucking warehouse like it doesn't matter like if it's well paced and well shot uh you can transcend so many things and yes. um i think it's totally worth seeking out so definitely seek it out that's hunt her kill her previously titled night shift what do you think about that title change
0: and that knife shift is better uh, I mean but there's already a movie called night shift so I guess fair enough but there's well, was already
1: a movie called hunter killer isn't <laughs> yeah, there? yeah
0: Yeah. Uh, I don't think they nailed it on the title to be honest I feel like they could have figured maybe neither of those titles were quite right
1: <laughs> die hard at a factory or what was yours die hard at a place we could afford we were loaned
0: yeah um, <laughs> die hard yeah. at a low security location
1: <laughs> yeah very good Um, had a great time with this one had a less good time with Children of the Corn, but man, there's some there's something in there. Someone should recut it and reshoot it again,
0: and <laughs>
1: uh, maybe we'll have a, a, a final product that is uh, worth its salt. What are we coming back for? Uh, Megan, last week, bonus episode, we talked about Megan unrated on the Patreon, and I think on this week's Patreon, we're going to be talking about, um, or maybe it was that same episode. I don't quite know at this point if it was <laughs> Operation Fortune And Creed 3 on there as well, or if that's a separate episode. But you tell me, Patreon subscriber. Bye.
0: style. (laughs) (laughs) Forgive me if I don't stay around to watch. I just can't cope with the freaky stuff.